Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on the Lord's Supper, looking at a New Testament passage and its meaning for us as believers. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have my buddies with me. Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. Yes, the cast of... Crazy, crazy kooky clowns? characters. Yeah. <laughs> Wild and crazy guys. Oh, man. <laughs> Steve Martin. We already made one other reference to Stephen Martin. Well, Steve Martin one time. Yeah, we did Three, three Migos. Migos. Yeah, that's all yeah. right. I have, I, I, I've probably made multiple references to the movie The Jerk, and you just haven't realized it. That's... One of the most quotable movies probably ever. Yes. As a director, I'm constantly using my eyes. <laughs> nice. 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 I love nice, that one. Nice. So anyway, well. <laughs> I had like three, three, three things that popped into my mind. This shows the sinful nature that I have of, of like, you know, that would have said something really derogatory about you as a person based on your comment about you referring to the jerk. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, des- I, mean, I deserve it. I'm a sheep, no, remember? Uh, no, you, no yes. I, you, you may deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment, <laughs> but you don't deserve my derogatory thoughts. Yeah. So there we go. Good differentiation there, yeah. you know. Nice. But uh, we are talking about Holy Communion continued yes. in that, and we're doing the exegetical portion of this. And so today, what's on the docket? Yeah, we, we've been walking through a handful of Old Testament passages the last few weeks, and uh, today we're going to jump into the New Testament. And this kind of, I suppose, will be a two-part or maybe three-part. Two-part at least. Two-part at least, um, looking at John 6. And uh, we'll get to the, we're, we're going to talk today about the feeding of the 5,000. And then, you know, later on uh, about so the, the after, aftermath yeah. and controversy, which um, definitely ties in with the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And and some of you as listeners might be thinking, well, why didn't they just jump into the words of institution in the four gospels? Yes. Well, we covered a lot of that in the first four episodes. And so uh, in discussing what passages we should look at, because we believe we covered that well, uh, we're going to be revisiting it uh, because one of the passages of scripture that we are going to look at is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. And Paul's like, I hand down what I've received from the Lord. Yep. And so we'll be kind of revisiting that a little bit. But we do want to see these connections. And so today we're, where are we at? Yeah, we're in uh, John 6. Did you have something to say, Jason? No, oh, I was just yeah. yawning, sorry. Oh. Wow. Interesting. Not because right, of boring you. you? Yeah, spe- speechless. <laughs> yeah. It's 2.30 in the afternoon for those of you who are uh, listening to this after we've recorded. And that means it's close to my bedtime already. Uh, <laughs> so, or nap time. You, yeah. You siesta. Five so kids and, and, uh, and a wrap around my foot because of surgery means I don't sleep that, well. That post-lunch. Oh. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I had McDonald's for lunch, so I'm really feeling great right now. <laughs> oh, yuck. Chicken tenders. Oh, okay. That isn't quite as bad. Oh, super. You, yeah. It battered and deep fried, but it's chicken, so it's okay. <laughs> There's chicken in the middle. You ate healthy. Yeah. Oh. Well, talking about eating food yeah. here. Here we go. Ooh. Yeah, segue. Good segue. Yes. Uh, John 6. Uh, I'll read the first handful of verses of Jesus feeding the 5,000. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain. 
And there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the Feast of the Jews, was at hand. Hey, we just talked about that a couple episodes ago. It's like Uh, scripture talks about itself all the time and relates to itself. Was that surcastic? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> if there was any doubt, and uh, yeah, we'll just stop. I All feel right. like we should just maybe start again. Hey, right, now we've me... hit our stride. We're, okay. This is the first time in the entire recording session where Brian said yeah. that, so we're right, good okay. now. All right, I'll pick up at verse five. Uh, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world." Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Amen. Amen and amen. Literally right before we started taping this episode, I was looking at my just feed of of stuff to read and there's a new Babylon Bee article today about... a new Lunchable with five barley loaves and two fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, was it Rick Warren popularized the Daniel diet yes. as if the things that they ate in chapter one was supposed to be right. you know, prescriptive for all Christians to have a successful, blessed life. And yeah. I'm kind of surprised that there isn't a barley loaves and fish. I mean, we have Ezekiel bread in stores right now. Yes. And Just don't read, was it verse nine in that text? Oh my the goodness, yeah. It's baked over, over human feces yes uh, i i just want to start this off by saying i kind of think we're lacking in society today where literally every location in the bible had like three names yeah right you know you think there's a lot of you going to the sea of galilee well, this weekend fishing no i'm going to see a tiberius it, lake or lake Gennesis. Yeah, yeah. is it was there uproar was there uproar in northern israel when the Romans came in and changed the name of the Sea of Galilee to the Sea of Tiberias. Do you think people were as offended as Minneapolitans were when we changed Lake Calhoun back to Lake or back to Bede Makaska? Was there that kind of controversy? I want to know. Mm, I don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. It's, we may never know. That's a it, different podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a feature yeah. of scripture that it's just one of those things that fascinates yeah. me. It's like every place has three names. So what would you call North Dakota? <laughs> For, so you have North Dakota, and then you have Best Dakota, uh, <laughs> and then you have the Garden of oh, God. I think Brian might disagree with you. I'm just uh, listening right here. <laughs> so, North Dakota always comes out on top when it comes to the Dakotas. That's what uh, I always remind South Dakotans. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yeah, if you are an SDSU grad, you know, South Dakota State University, you are now angry at us and probably ready to stop I, listening. As, as, a, as a North Dakota resident, I hate NDSU as much as everyone else does because I'm a UND guy. So There you go. I don't care about any of that. Of course not. You're from Illinois. I'm an Illinoisan, but uh, not a Gog and Magog is that oh, in Illinois, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about communion and miraculous feeding. So again, uh, yes. the listener may be asking, how <laughs> in the world does this section of scripture have to do with communion? I well, sense a pattern. Should we just yeah. should we just pull the to be continued? Because yeah. the the second one really establishes the connection where Jesus yeah. calls himself the bread of life from heaven. But there are absolutely plenty of principles here, and, yeah. and really. Right. Uh, or, or really any feeding, uh, and major feeding. Many, you know, we 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 elected just because of time and and exegesis to not talk about the manna in the wilderness, the bread of life from heaven, which is going to come into play at the end of the chapter here. Yep. But that has some, you know, connections to communion. Has connections here with Jesus is the feeding of the loaves and yep. the fish. Uh, really, the the, the principle. Uh, connections to communion that we we can talk about and examine as we exegete this passage. It's a miraculous feeding, yeah, uh, done in the power of God mm-hmm. by the power of God, and it is again in abundance and it's excess. It's not going to run out. It was more than enough. And again, it's to highlight this, to highlight the feasting with Jesus, to highlighting people who uh, who didn't deserve it. And, and really here, people who are ultimately going to abandon Jesus twice. They're mm-hmm. going to abandon him here in John 6. And they're going to abandon him uh, during Holy Week. Uh, mm-hmm. The crowds that cheered for Jesus are the same crowds that clamored for his crucifixion. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a miraculous image that God provides, that God feeds his children what they need for their lives. And mm-hmm. it's, that's and you know, why I like it. And if you follow the chapter down, he even feeds those who necessarily aren't coming to him in gratitude or coming to him with the right motives, because they do yeah. come to him later on right. with the wrong motives. And Jesus exposes that. He's like, you're not coming for me, for who I am or who you think I am. You're not coming because I am the Messiah. You're coming for the free food. Mm-hmm. You know, And it, it's interesting how even how Jesus exposes those motives, but yet he, ex- he extended to them grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's all, it's all it really, this whole chapter is one of my more favorite chapters and, and how Jesus continues to reveal himself as the Messiah, mm-hmm. uh, the one promised all throughout the Old Testament, uh, the food that endures toward, toward eternal life. Yeah, he is right. the, the bread of life and, and even how it closes out that unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, because uh, my flesh is true food and my, and my, my blood is true drink. And how that really paints an indirect, you know, picture of of communion more because of his atoning sacrifice mm-hmm. than than you know than a direct connection. But it's just all about God's grace and mercy mm-hmm. in the midst of a sinful people, sheep that have gone astray, each one turning to their own way. And it's done in the setting of Passover. You identified mm-hmm. when you're reading yeah. the passage this feeding, this spiritual nourishment happening in the Old Testament setting of the atonement for our sins. Mm-hmm. Again, that 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 theological, spiritual issue is our primary connection between Passover and the Lord's Supper yeah. is the atonement for our sins. And this is going on here too. This is Christ offering atonement to those who would receive it regardless mm-hmm. of merit or identity. It's just there for them. Right. 
and just that abundance again of because there was leftovers. Yeah. You know, God, Christ's grace is sufficient. In fact, it's more than sufficient. Right. Uh, it's it's inexhaustible, as we right. talked about a couple episodes ago. And I, you know, I think another thing too, and <laughs> I feel like sometimes we uh, burst a bubble of what's going on in general evangelicalism, and not because we're malicious or have malicious intent, but I think a lot of times when I hear, hear this passage referred to, the emphasis is placed on the the young boy and what he brought oh, uh, to yeah. to God, and I think that is a, a case in missing the point. Although there probably is something to be said of. He did offer well, what he had, but it's not the main point of the story. In these interpretive leaps that are made in in the generic American church, there's almost always something to be said about what's being said there, but it's almost never the primary thing that right. needs to be said. Yep. It's secondary. It's, yeah. Is there a boy willing to give his lunch so that Jesus can do a miracle? Yeah, right. that's absolutely. And but But these rhetorical questions... Without the, the miracle, well, it would just be a small lunch. Yeah. It's, it's nothing. And the, the rhetorical questions, it seems to me that the answer is always, of course we should be doing that. You know, of course we should be making the resources uh, God has given us available for the use of our neighbor. That's the nature of the law. This vocation. isn't, yeah, vocation. Mm-hmm. Bam. All right. Yes. I did it accidentally, right. almost by reflex. But What's in your hand, Moses? Oh, staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it, it it seems to me that that should not be some dramatic insight that some spiritual gift someone's been given. Yeah, of course we should share what we have. I mean, I teach that to my two-year-old constantly when he's screaming at the top of his lungs at his brothers and sister, right? <laughs> That's not the spiritual truth to be learned in here. Right. Yet, can we acknowledge it? Absolutely. Sure. But the main character is not the boy. Right. The main character is Jesus Christ. Right. right. Amen. Yeah, it's it's interesting how um, a lot of times we miss the major point, you know. And of course, there are are aspects where we can identify this, and but where we really need to identify more than anything is our our impure motives, our inability to really feed ourselves in the way that Christ can feed us, yep. and the supernatural abundance of His inexhaustible grace. That's that's the remarkable thing. Because they misunderstood him. They didn't really know who he was. And right. as, as you read through the rest of the, the chapter, it becomes abundantly clear that they are there for themselves. They're in it for themselves. And unfortunately, we can say this, and that there are many congregations in America that are in it for their own glory. They say they're building the kingdom of Christ for Christ's glory, but a lot of times they're not. Maybe like a fake humility. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think it's really tragic, and I think if we can get to a healthy fear of the Lord and just a, a total dependency upon Christ's atoning sacrifice, yep. His grace and mercy, that's when the church will really, really, I think, in my opinion, become what Christ intended it to be. I think we're going to look back on this time we're living in, in history, or others will. We probably won't because we'll be dead, but others will. And, and the Christians of those times will be able to say that one of the best things to come out of this secularization of yep. culture is that Christianity as a status symbol was finally put to death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it, it, it's going to be increasingly difficult to be a poser in a Christian church because it's going to not be worth the heat that yeah. is turned up on you. So you, you, you can't do it 
to be an influential member of the community. You're not there to show off your seven thousand dollars suit or your, yeah. you know, your things like that. Now, one of the things I I want to I've been thinking about this, and I want to see what you guys think yeah. about this is the nature of the food that was given. Yeah, uh, I, I was, think I had our, something to yeah, say about that too. Yeah, our American context. <laughs> seems to think that it was enough because simply because of the abundance. So it's like, yeah, it was bread and fish, but it was a lot of bread and fish. So at least the people didn't go away hungry. I don't necessarily know that that's the message being conveyed. I think this is good food that is being provided. I mean, if we're really going to put a hipster spin on it. Was it gluten-free? What? Well, it's gluten-free, <laughs> not gluten-free bread. But, but you know, like, it would be like saying that these – what these people had were like really good fish tacos, you know? I mean, it was the food they needed right at the moment. It was good for them and it fed them. And so right. it's not just the quantity of food that is the miracle. It's the quality of the food that it nourished them right. that right. we should be paying attention to. And more to. importantly, the source of the food. Yes, absolutely. The Lord right. is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right. You know, just as we talked about a couple yep. episodes ago. But but if we're and relating... There's, there's this, that theme of bread yeah. through scripture too. Yeah. The theme of and bread the, and if and we're... the bread of life. Yeah, yep. and and... Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, But if we're relating this back to communion, it's good to talk about the abundance Mm -hmm. of God's mercy and the abundance of God's grace. We should do that with great delight and celebration and joy. But there also should be something, this is the exact food we need. The quality of the food is necessary to what we're receiving. The thing that we need is Jesus' body and blood given and shed for us. That is what we need. I think that message is here in the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. And that really points us toward the continuation of this chapter where Jesus is revealing himself as the Messiah. I am the bread of life. I am the source Mm -hmm. of everything. The source of food for the just and the unjust, how God rains down on the just and the unjust. But more than anything, the most important thing, that he is the source of salvation. He is the source of forgiveness of sins. He is the source uh, of of all of, of the things that follow salvation. Um, sanctification, but the gift of eternal life, mm-hmm. that those who believe in him shall never perish. It, it really is quite remarkable how Jesus is the linchpin to understanding how this passage relates to the yeah. greater canon of Scripture. Brett, you brought up creationally mm-hmm. in this that God is the provider of material bread mm-hmm. and the provider of our spiritual bread here. Yeah. We see the spiritual connection and the tie to Passover and mm-hmm. what is happening in the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. here. We see Christ, as you said, Brian, revealing himself as yeah. the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. All these fears are in orbit around the person and activity of Jesus mm-hmm. here in John 6. Right. And, you know, you, we really kind of get the sense that if you take your eyes off Jesus, it all falls apart. Right. And I, And the other thing I wanted to say about this, too, was... You know, we talk about the mystery and the miracle that happened here. And why are we surprised that he's not able to, he is able to pull that off mm-hmm. in the Lord's Supper? Yeah. The the thing that, stuff that we can't understand, the in, with, and under. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a, you know, I, you know, I just, I, you know, I always try to use my imagination of how did they keep getting all these baskets full of fish? And, yeah. And it it's a mystery to us can't understand it, mm. but Jesus is able uh, to pull that off. And it, uh, what a great statement. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one who fed 5,000 mm-hmm. men plus women and children. So mm-hmm. really the feeding of the 5,000 is more like the feeding of the 10,000. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. When it comes down mm-hmm. to yep. it. With, with, with five loaves of bread mm-hmm. and two fish, uh, certainly 
he can feed the church <laughs> yeah, with his body and yeah, blood. Yeah, right. Absolutely, he can do yeah. that. It's, it, it reminds me, I think we've brought this up a couple of times. It's, it's one of my favorite anecdotes of the Reformation. And, and we suffer in the church today from this inferiority complex with needing to have a constant apologetic against evolution. And there's this constant fight in the church about the seven days of creation. And, you know, well, are we, are we going to toe the line with science and be day age theorists and, and get rid of the seven literal days while still giving God control? Or is it going to be seven literal days? Or, you know, all of these things. And, and you go back and, and it was like, why wasn't the early church talking about this? Why weren't they talking about this during the Reformation? And the funny thing is there was a controversy about uh, – creation during the Reformation. And and I think it was Calvin, and I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it was Calvin. Why did you take so long? (laughs) Calvin could not fathom why it took God so long. (laughs) You know, why did it take God six days to make everything? You could have snapped his fingers and it was all there, right? And, And so our doubts about what God can and cannot do, or even what he does and does not do, should be silenced by his miracles. You know, the miracles we have of faith in the church mm-hmm. are, are exactly the things we should take comfort in because of the plethora of miracles we have recorded by Christ in the Gospels and because of the plethora of promises we have recorded yeah. in Scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, I think it'd be extremely fitting if it's okay with you guys to close with a little bit of the what happens later on. In the chapter, Jesus. Foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. Jesus is speaking, uh, John chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I come down, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone, love that word, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on iTunes and Spotify. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself continue our discussion on the Lord's Supper. God bless you and have a great week.